Today, we are going on a treasure hunt. We're going to dig for treasure. Would anybody like to join me? A few, a few, a few reluctant nods there. Anyone ever loved treasure stories as a child, perhaps even as an adult? I don't know what your favorite was. Uh, everyone loves a good treasure hunt, don't they? My kids love to have a treasure map and to follow it. Sometimes they make up their own and, and see if they can search out treasure. And today we are thinking about what our treasure is in Jesus. What is our treasure as Christians Phil spoke to us a couple of weeks ago about uh, the vision that he was setting forward for the church in the next year and reminding us that our primary goal in all of life is to glorify God and to see him glorified in all that we do. And I'm going to be just taking that a little bit further this morning and talking about joy. Phil always likes to give you a lunchtime summary, just a sentence or two uh, that uh, you can perhaps remember today's sermon from. And if anyone asks you, what did, uh, what did Heather speak on today? That uh, this perhaps just sums up the essence of what it is. And it's this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Pursuing joy is not selfish, but rather what God desires for us and from us. I'll say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Pursuing joy is not selfish, but rather what God desires for us and from us. I don't know how you are feeling this morning, whether you feel joyful or you feel tired or sad or or how you feel. But I want to challenge us this morning that there is such joy to be found in Jesus. That's what he longs for us. He doesn't want us to be miserable uh, or, or sad. He wants us to know joy in him, even through the difficult times. Now... If you'd have asked me 12 years ago what I thought about church, what I thought about the Christian faith, I probably would have said, yeah, church, that's a sort of a solemn, somber experience, isn't it? That's what I thought. It definitely wasn't somewhere I would have expected to have found happiness. I think I probably thought that the regular practice of any sort of religion looked like an awful lot of hard work for probably not much gain. I didn't really get it. Uh, And then I met Phil. Lots of you know this story. I'm not going to share the whole of my testimony this morning. Don't worry. But I met Phil 12 years ago when we were studying uh, to be barristers. And he was probably the first Christian that I had met, or certainly who I'd known um, particularly well, who had something different uh, about him in his faith. Uh, He had such a conviction, an obvious conviction about what he believed and who he believed in, that it affected lots of things in his life. It wasn't just that he went to church on a Sunday, but it sort of seemed to infect everything else that he did. And that was sort of really what prompted me to, to start to find out a little bit more. So I agreed with him that I would, I would let him take me to church. But I said to him, if you're going to take me to church, I want it to be one with pews and with hymns and a nice building. 
And so, of course, Phil took me to a church with plastic chairs where there was a very large, uh, large and loud worship band singing contemporary songs that I'd never heard before. And it was all in a fairly grotty school building. There were about 400 people there, and it was like nothing I had ever experienced before. And it was also full of young adults as well. I'd only ever really known churches with old ladies and mums with children. And I was thinking, what are all these students and young professionals doing here? So once I got over the shock of, uh, of this church experience, which was quite alien to me, I began to notice something else about these people. Something that seemed to lay at the heart of why they were there. And it was joy. I had never heard people worshipping God with such joy before. There was something so emotional, so visible about the worship. I've always liked singing, as you've probably guessed. And in fact, I used to sing at a, in the village church choir from quite a young age. But the experience was just that. For me, it was just singing. For me, at the time, there was no sense of any meaning really beyond that, no sense of singing to anyone in particular, or even understanding what I was singing. It was just nice choral music. But when I stood in that school hall 12 years ago, listening to 400 people lifting their voices, sometimes their hands, in real worship to God, I realized that I'd stumbled across something different, something that I hadn't even known existed in the pursuit of God, in the pursuit of a faith, and that was joy. And it was so infectious. I really wanted it. I wanted to feel what they felt. I wanted to understand what it was that so filled them that they were singing their hearts out to God. It also went against every British bone in my body. All that emotion, hands in the air, definitely against every British bone in my body. Uh, But I felt drawn by it. I was drawn by this joy. I was intrigued. And I found it. It began slowly in that moment when I sat in my room the following week telling Jesus that I wanted to follow him. It was a pretty fumbled prayer. I didn't really know if I was doing it right or not. And in fact, it took Phil the next day to confirm that what I had done was I committed my life to Jesus and that's it. I was on my way. I thought, what, no fireworks, no nothing else? But apparently that was sufficient. It's so easy, isn't it, sometimes? And in the months that followed, uh, I was just so desperate to get to the heart of who this Jesus really was. I was discovering him in a completely new light. I was so desperate, really, to kind of get to where these people I'd seen were, that I went to services in the school hall with the plastic chairs and the loud worship band, not just once, but in fact twice, every Sunday, for several months. Um, I didn't have children then, we were free students, so you could do whatever you liked, but so we went twice, every Sunday. And as I listened to the teaching and I learnt the songs, I felt that joy begin to grow in me as well. C.S. Lewis once said this, he said, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. 
Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. There is such joy to be found in Jesus. Do we realise that? Do we know what joy there is to be found in a relationship with him? How do we get there though? How do we get there? Maybe you don't feel particularly joyful today. Perhaps you've never experienced the joy of knowing Jesus. Or you're struggling to rekindle a joy that you once had in your faith but that seems to have been snuffed out somewhere along the line. How do you find and experience joy in Christ? I want to suggest, uh, like in all good sermons, that there are three principal ways. Uh, First is the joy of salvation. The joy we experience in knowing Jesus. In knowing that we are saved. That he died for us. That he loves us. That he has forgiven us us. That joy that we feel when we first come to know him, like the joy I experienced 12 years ago. But that joy is something we can often forget, isn't it? It's important to remember that joy even 10, 20, 50 years after we're saved. The second is the joy of relationship. The joy that comes from learning to dwell in God's presence. Learning to talk to him in prayer. Learning to worship him. Learning to get to know him through the Bible. Learning to hear his voice speaking into our lives. And thirdly is the joy of walking with him. The joy that comes when we walk in faithful obedience to him. Serving him as he calls us. Seeing him work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. As he is pleased to share his work with us. And so we're going to take a look at each of those in turn. So first the joy of salvation. Uh, If you could turn, if you've got a Bible with you, to Matthew chapter 13. And verse 44. Uh, I'm afraid I haven't been so organized as to put the verses on the screen, but follow along if you can. And you might, you might be familiar with the passages. Uh, Jesus loved to tell parables. Jesus is a great storyteller. He uses lots of pictures in the Bible, stories to help us to understand his, uh, his messages. And this is one story that he told. He said this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. The kingdom of heaven is that rule of Jesus in our lives, that sense of knowing him, of being his follower, of being a Christian. Jesus describes that relationship like treasure. I said at the beginning that we were going to go digging for treasure. I don't know when I say that word treasure, what image is conjured up in your mind, whether it's gold or jewels or diamonds, uh, whatever it might be, whatever is most precious in your mind. Uh, The kids always love that story of the precious pearl, which in fact comes just after this in the the Bible. Uh, Something that is so special to you. 
that you want to go digging for it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Knowing Jesus is like treasure. And as I was meditating on this passage this week, a few other things really struck me about it. The first was that the treasure was hidden. The treasure was hidden in the field, and the man had to find it. Sometimes to find something really special, we have to put in a little bit of effort. We have to seek to find it. And I think a relationship with Jesus can be like that sometimes. When Phil first told me about his faith in Jesus and I began to wonder what it was all about, I could easily have stopped there, not taken it any further. I had to be willing to come and to find out more. I had to be willing to ask the questions, to read, to pray, to go to church so that someone could tell me. I had to respond to the news that there was treasure to be found. And I had to go in search of it. And the most amazing thing is, is that Jesus promises us, if you seek, you will find. Not if you seek, you might find. If you seek, you will find. That's the passage in Matthew 7, verse 7. Jesus promises that if we go seeking after that treasure, that relationship in him, we will find it. He's not going to slam the door back in our faces. We're not going to start seeking him and not find him. If our hearts are willing to go on the search, to go digging for the treasure, then we will find it. The second thing that struck me was that when he found the treasure, he didn't want to lose it. He protected it by hiding it again until he could afford to buy the field. Having found a relationship with Jesus, how much do we treasure it? How much do we protect that? Our relationships can be under such pressure from other things. How, how much do we protect our relationship with Jesus if we already know him? The third thing is that the treasure brings the man joy. He is happy that he has found the treasure. Just like if we came across a pot of gold, I guess we'd be happy. He was happy that he had found this treasure. Does it bring us joy to know, that, to know Jesus, to know that we have a relationship with him? St. Augustine once said, if I were to ask you why you have believed in Christ, why you have become Christians, every man will answer truly for the sake of happiness. I'm guessing that you're not here this morning, or hopefully you're not here this morning out of a sense of duty or obligation, but you're here because it makes you happy to know Jesus. You've made sacrifices in your life, lots of you, in different ways to know Jesus, to follow him. You've made the sacrifice of coming out to church on a wet, rainy day instead of sitting in front of the sofa watching a film or going to rugby. You've made a sacrifice to be here. And I guess we make those sacrifices because it makes us happy. There is joy to be found in the treasure. And lastly, it was worth giving up everything for. The man sells all that he has to buy the field where the treasure is. Such was this man's joy that nothing was worth more to him than having it. And isn't knowing Jesus like that? Can you remember when you first believed? 
The great hymn, Amazing Grace, says this, How precious t'was the grace I found the hour I first believed. I love that hymn. Uh, it's just full of such emotion. How precious t'was the grace I found the hour I first believed. There is such joy that we would do anything for Jesus. At the time when I came to faith, I would have done anything for Jesus. And I, I did. I, I was insatiable to start with. I spent hours talking to Phil about Jesus, asking him endless questions. Uh, I went to church twice a week. I went to conferences. I started reading my Bible. But after a while, that initial rush of excitement, it can fade. Like in any relationship, you have your sort of honeymoon period, if you like, and then the real work starts, doesn't it? That we have that rush of excitement, but sometimes... Actually, it, it, it's not so exciting anymore, and somehow it can begin to feel like a lot of work. And I don't know how many of you feel like that this morning, that we get past that exciting stage. And actually, how can we remain joyful? Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippian church, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. How can we do that? How can we rejoice always to the Lord? How do we get to that point where that's what we want to do, that we are genuinely joyful? And so we come to the second thing, which is the joy of relationship. Joy comes from being in a faithful and loving relationship with Jesus. Learning to abide in his love for us and to love in return. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 15, from verse 9 onwards. John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking here, and he says this. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Isn't that amazing that Jesus says to us he wants our joy to be full. Jesus wants us to be happy. He wants us to be happy. He doesn't want us to find this journey a slog and a bore. He wants us to know joy. And that must mean that it's attainable, doesn't it? Faithfulness in Jesus can bring joy. He talks in here about abiding. Abiding means to remain, to continue. We need to stay close to Jesus, to learn to remain in his love, to keep his commandments, if this joy is to remain in us. Put simply, we are happiest when we are closest to Jesus, when we are most at peace with him, when we know that we are living as he wants and we are loving others in response. How is it with your soul? That's the question that we ask ourselves at the end of our life groups each week. How is it with your soul? The reason we ask that question is because it matters 
how you are doing with Jesus. Yes, the rest of your life, it matters as well. But what we are concerned about for our own spiritual health is how are you doing with Jesus? Whatever the ups and downs, the joys and the sorrows in life, how are you doing with Jesus through all of that? If we feel distant from him, then we won't know that joy. If you keep my commandments and abide in my love, then my joy will remain in you. We need to draw close to him. So how how practically do we do that? Like any relationship, we have to take time over it. In a relationship with Jesus, we need to take time to talk to him, to pray. And to learn to hear his voice in, re- in response. Not a literal voice, but that sense in our hearts that as we pray, we know, we have that sense of what God is stirring in us as a response. We need to read the Bible every day if possible. It's God's book. This is the book that tells us about Jesus. If we want to know him more, then we need to read about him. We need to spend time with him. He's not here as a physical person with us, like our spouses or our friends or anyone else we have a relationship with. And so we have to find different ways of investing in our relationship with him. We pray so that we can talk to him. And we read the Bible so we can get to know him, just as we would spend time with our friends. Sometimes it can seem really hard. The Bible is a big book. The language is not always easy to read, depending on which translation you use. But I have to tell you, it is so worth persevering with. I, uh, John and I went to the first couple of sessions of the Leadership Academy that were going on for the next couple of years. We went about three weeks ago. And the, the preaching was fantastic. Uh, they were so inspiring. And like every brilliant speaker who was sharing uh, their testimony of, uh, you know, telling you how it is that they know all this stuff, but they, Jesus just seems to ooze from them. They seem to be able to quote, quote scripture at the top of a hat and just, they just are able to explain the gospel so well. And, you know, when you're asking them, but how do you get to that point? The answer is always, I get up in the morning and I open the Bible and I spend time meditating in the word and I pray. There are no quick and easy fixes. You're always hoping that they're going to give you some magic bullet of how it is that you get to know the Bible and get to know Jesus as well as they do. But the reality is, it's like any relationship and you have to invest in it. And it takes time. But do you know what I felt sitting there was I just felt so challenged, so inspired. But I really do want to know him more. I really do want to be able to explain this stuff to other people as well as you can. I want to be able to do that. And it really, it really gave me the kind of the, the kick to encourage me to start doing that again. I've made excuses for many years. I have young children. I'm tired. They get up too early. But actually, the last few weeks, I have been making an effort to set my alarm. And it has been so fulfilling. Actually, the Lord doesn't disappoint. When we come to him faithfully, seeking him, wanting to know him more, he doesn't close the door on us. He does, he does meet with us. 
And I started studying again. I got out my concordances and study books and, well, I needed to prepare for today anyway. But it was just so encouraging actually studying again and realizing how much there is, um, how much there is in the Bible to encourage, to, to, to fill our lives. When I first became a Christian, I wanted to read the Bible and I wanted to meditate on it and to understand what it meant for me. But it was really hard. And after a few months, I, I spoke to Phil about it. I was like, why am I finding it so hard? It just, I read it, but it's just like goes in one ear and out the other. I don't, I, it's not sinking in. And Phil spoke to me about the Holy Spirit. And I asked God at that time to fill me with his spirit. And you know, the next morning, I woke up and I opened my Bible. And it was like rivers of water pouring out of the page and into my heart. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. That's that verse in Matthew 7 again. This is Jesus' promise concerning the Holy Spirit. Ask him. If you don't know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then ask. He is God's promised helper. He is given to us to help us to follow Jesus. We can't live this life following Jesus in our human strength alone. We need something more. For a spiritual life, we need a spiritual helper. And that's the Holy Spirit. Ask him. If you're struggling to, to, to really follow the Bible, to, to, to sense its reality in your life, ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life and to open the word up to you in your heart. And so the final way that we find joy in Jesus is the joy of serving him, of walking with him. As we continue in our relationships with Jesus, we begin to recognize his call on our lives to serve him in different ways and to share our faith with others. Matthew 25, uh, Jesus tells uh, more parables. Uh, In verses 14 to 30, he tells the parable of the talents. Talents are coins. And he tells this story of a master with three servants. And he's going away for a while and he gives him some coins. He gives five coins to the first one. He gives two coins to the second. And he gives one coin to the third. And uh, he tells them to be wise with it. He wants to see what they're going to do. And he comes back sometime later. The first two have invested their coins. The one with five invested it, and he got five more in return. So he had ten. The second with two invested it, and he gained two more. He had four. And the last one with one coin, he went and buried it. And so it was kept safe, but all he was able to return was the one coin. And Jesus says this to the two servants who invested their coins, who did something with them. He says this, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I have to tell you, it doesn't end well for the servant who just buried his coin. It matters what we do with our lives. Jesus died for us. He died for us so that we might have a relationship with God. So that through his shed blood for us, we might live in eternity with God. How are we going to respond with our lives? If we want to know the joy of walking with Jesus, then we have to walk with him. 
And that means following him, listening to the call he has on our lives. What is he calling you to do? How does he want you to live your life? Isn't he worth following? Doesn't this parable teach us what we know about any relationship? The more we put into it, the more we're going to get out of it. If we invest faithfully in our relationship with Jesus, we will enter into his joy. Our joy will be full. Do you want to be full of joy? I know I do. And I know lots of you here can testify to the joy that comes from serving Jesus. I still remember um, Maeve telling me when we first set up the toddler group what joy it gave her to come and to serve the teas and coffees at toddler group because it had been years since she felt physically able to serve and it gave her such joy to feel that the Lord had a purpose for her and we need people to do the teas and coffees. There is such joy to be found in serving Jesus How will we know? How will we know what it is that he wants us as individuals to do? Because each of us, he has a different call on all of our lives. Pray. Ask him. Ask him to show you. Read the Bible. Let him speak to you through it. If you feel like you have a particular concern for something, that's probably the Lord stirring that up in you. Last week, I uh, went to Felton Young Offenders Institute to speak to the chaplain about getting involved there. Uh, as lots of you know, I used to be a criminal barrister. I'm very, always been very passionate about the criminal justice system. And I knew it wasn't right to work as a lawyer any longer. And that Phil and I felt both called to come and serve here. But I always hoped that I might get involved with these people again someday. And I was just reading the news one day. It could be doing anything. I was reading the news and I was reading articles about the problems of drugs in prisons. And I just felt that tug on my heart. And that's Jesus. He doesn't need to say audibly to me, go and help in the prisons. It's just a sense in our hearts, that sense of, gosh, you've given me a heart for this. I need to do something. I need to respond. I need to respond and I need to do something about it. I'd really encourage you, ask Jesus how you can serve him. Because he has great plans for you and there is such joy to be found in following him. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 19 to 20. This is really the second part of serving Jesus, and it comes when we share our faith. This is Paul talking about uh, the the Christians in, in Thessalonica. He says, For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. It gave Paul joy to see others discover a relationship with Jesus. Have you ever partnered with God in leading someone into a relationship with him? Have you ever seen that dawning moment on someone's face when they realize that they are loved by God? It is the most precious, the most incredible joy-giving experience that you will ever have. 
seeing someone else discover that joy in Jesus is just amazing. That's why I love running Alpha and just seeing people discovering Jesus for the first time. That's why I love to talk to people about Jesus. It's scary and it means possibly moments of awkwardness. But there is such joy in seeing people discover him. Ask God. Ask God if there's anyone in your life, a friend, a relative, someone you see at work or just in the the community, who you feel that God is giving you a heart for. And just ask him to help you to share your faith with them. I often just start by talking about what God means to me. Not necessarily telling them what they should do, but just sharing what he means to me. And just like when I went into that church and saw the joy that other people have, it's infectious. People want to know, well, tell me about it. What is, you, you know, what is it? What is it that he means to you? Tell him what he means to you. And it's an obedience thing as well. Isn't that the Great Commission? Jesus' final words to his disciples. Go and tell the nations about me. Take the gospel to them. God wants us to tell other people about him. Jesus longs for us to do it. And how gracious of him to share that work with us. He's able just to bring people to faith without using us at all. He can do anything. But he wants to use us. He wants our joy to be full. So ask him. Ask him how, how you can help him. How you can work with Jesus. And so just to conclude, a relationship with Jesus is not always easy. There are difficult times. He never promised that it would be always straightforward. We didn't get to it today, but you all, some of you will also be very familiar with the verses that say, count it joy when trials come, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce a greater endurance. And knowing that in all our suffering, Christ is with us. Know him even in the difficult times. He is with you and he can overcome and he will. There is joy to be found in Jesus. Will you enter into that joy today? He wants our joy to be full. If you've known Jesus for a long time, but perhaps today you just you struggle to feel that, to feel that spark... Draw near to him. Spend some time with him. Allow him to minister to you. He wants your joy to be full. Take joy in that, in that remembrance of, of coming to know him. Perhaps even just in a moment, we're just going to play some music in a minute. Take a few minutes just to remember when you first came to know him. What was that like? He loves you so much that he died for you. If you don't know him yet, ask him that you may know that joy. Ask him how you can draw nearer to him today if you feel like you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus. He's right here. Talk to him. Ask him. I'd encourage you to open your Bibles again. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and be your helper. You don't need to do this on your own. 
And lastly, ask God, does he have a call on your life right now? Is this something he's wanting you to do, to work with him, to serve him? A person he's wanting you to share your faith with. Let's walk with him. Let's partner with Jesus in that unsurpassable joy of seeing new life flourish. I'm just going to play some music now. We're just going to take a few minutes just to be quiet. I just encourage you to just sit in that attitude of prayer and just think over some of these things and ask God what he's saying to you this morning.